Turn your Bible to Zephaniah, please. Zephaniah. This is one of the most obscure of the Old Testament books. Very seldom do we study it. Unless you're reading the Bible all the way through, more than likely you don't read from Zephaniah. And yet it is a very, very important part in the Old Testament picture. I was thinking of the biographies. Uh, one of my favorite readings is, are biographies. I like to read biographies. I'm presently reading the biography of Judge Pressler. He and Dr. Paige Patterson were used greatly by God to help our Southern Baptist Convention come back to its anchorage in the Word of God. When you think of Zephaniah, you can't hardly think of the man without thinking of, or the message without thinking something of the man. So let me give you some thoughts about Zephaniah himself. In the Hebrew, his name would be Sabanya, S-P-A-N-Y-A. Of course, we call it Zephaniah with, with a Z. The, the word means the Lord hides or the Lord has hidden. The idea is the Lord has the power of God to hide his worshiper in a time of danger. We need to remember that. There'll be times of danger in all of our lives, but the Lord has the power to hide us in the cleft of the rock. Last Sunday night, Brother Stephen played Rock of Ages on the trumpet, and I thought of this at that time. We are hidden in the rock, cleft, the cleft of the rock. Little is known about the prophet himself. He's about uh, probably of royal descent, he prophesied during the reign of Josiah from 637 to 607 B.C. It was between the fall of Nineveh and the Babylonian attack on Judea. Now, if you could get the world picture, there were several great uh, world civilizations. Egypt was one of those world civilizations. Assyria was a huge civilization conquering almost the entire world at that time, the then known world. The capital of Assyria was Nineveh. You remember that Jonah was sent to preach to Nineveh? And uh, Jonah didn't want to go because he hated the Ninevites. He knew that the Assyrians hated Israel and would eventually hurt Israel. And Jonah tried to get out of going, but God told him to go and he went. And it was the greatest revival in the entire Bible in the city of Nineveh, but it didn't last. And uh, their spiritual wickedness came back. Under the administration of Josiah, the law and the worship of Jehovah had revived briefly, but the people still practiced idolatrous customs in secret. Now Jesus spoke of this in Matthew 23, and we discussed that in the Sunday School lesson tonight. He gave seven woes against the hypocrisy of an outward show, but no inward fellowship with God. They were filled with legalism, but they had nothing on the inside. And that's the way it was in 
Zephaniah's day. The people on the outside were seemingly religious, but they had accommodated themselves to the practices of Baalism that were all around them. Recognizing this hypocrisy, Zephaniah was stirred to action. Even though the king joined the prophet in the reform movement, the evil tide moved on. Josiah was one of the few great kings in the land of Israel. The increase of wickedness led to God using Nebuchadnezzar as a rod of his anger and judgment. Now, keep in mind that Zephaniah and Jeremiah and all the other great preachers of the past age loved their nation. They were not against their nation. People thought they were. Jeremiah preached so hard they put him in prison. They called him a traitor because he preached that God was going to allow Babylon to come as an enemy nation and bring judgment on Judah. And the people didn't like to hear that at all. Same thing today. People don't like to hear sins named. They don't like to understand what's behind the terror of September the 11th. Please don't misunderstand me. Nobody loves America better than I do. I love this nation. But God is not going to allow sin and wickedness to continue. We have murdered little babies in their mother's wombs, millions of them. And God stands back. You know, I read something the other day. They wonder why our birth rate is so low. Strange word. And uh, they gave this reason and this reason. None of them mentioned abortion. When really we've murdered millions of little babies. Then wonder why we don't have a larger birth rate. Well, we're in trouble. The increase of wickedness led to God using Nebuchadnezzar as a rod of judgment. Zephaniah was born during the reign of Manasseh, one of the most wicked kings that ever lived. He is credited with the, as the one who put Isaiah between two trees and sawed him in two. Ammon and Manasseh had been wicked kings and their reigns were over. The wickedness of that period had not yet been challenged until friendly Josiah came to the throne. It was then that Zephaniah began to warn the people that God would bring judgment. Remember, Zephaniah was the great-great-grandson of Hezekiah, a good king. Baal worship was everywhere. The word Baal means owner or master or lord or husband. It was believed that he controlled fertility in agriculture, beasts, and mankind. He is depicted in a human figure with a uh, belt and he's adorned with horns of a bull, the symbol of strength and fertility. Through intermarriage and the adoption of pagan practices, Israel's worship of Yahweh, Jehovah, became adulterated with extreme forms of Baalistic culture, including those of ritual prostitution and child sacrifice. The word shamarin that we read in this book 
is the Hebrew word which may be translated idolatrous priests. It's the Canaanite honorable title for their priests and is used here to designate non-Levitical priests officiating in the idolatrous sensualities. The day of the Lord spoken of by Zephaniah envisions both the near day off, the near day of the Lord and the distant day of the Lord when Christ descends from heaven to judge all the nations, followed by the restoration of Israel and the establishment of the millennial kingdom. Chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, Zephaniah foresees the messianic times. And he says God will honor his ancient covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now I want you to think for just a moment in the brief closing time we have tonight of three things to remember about Zephaniah. Number one, he spoke of the havoc that was coming. He warned of the day of the Lord. He said it's not going to be a good day. They expected the day of the Lord to be a day of brightness and brilliance and when God would deliver Israel out of the hands of her enemies. And Zephaniah said, no, it's not going to be like that. The day of the Lord is going to be a day of judgment on your sins. Folks, we need to apply that. It would be unheard of for us to just talk about a book from the Old Testament and just give some scholarly lecture about that book and say all the things about it and yet not apply it. The Bible says in the New Testament, these things were written beforehand for our example. This is for us to heed. Zephaniah warned, God will not allow sin to go unpunished. Sin will be punished. It can only be, we can only be delivered from the punishment of sin by Jesus Christ. When we put our trust and faith in him, Christ forgives, he cleanses, he wipes the, the slate clean. Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God promises that. But remember, unless there is a national repentance, we're still not going to be spared. America is seeing a little bit of the judgment of God. What is happening for a long, long time, God had his protective hand around America. The question that asks itself, is God removing that protective hand? We've never faced the kind of terrorism that we're facing today. I read in the paper that somehow we avoided a terrible problem just a few weeks ago when they discovered in Singapore uh, uh, terrorists that were going to kill our servicemen, thousands of them stationed there. They're going to kill them, bomb them. They had it on video. They had their plans made. They found the video in Afghanistan. Obviously part of that terrorist network. And clear across the world, they were planning this. And our CIA tipped off the Singapore police and they were able to stop it. 
We prayed for our men in the service tonight. Those men are in danger wherever they are. We need to pray for them. We need to pray for our president. He is in Asia. And because he told the truth, our public press has scandalized him saying, why would he say that North Korea was an evil empire? Or that Iran or Iraq were evil empires? They are. There's wickedness there being hatched up in their minds. They can hardly wait for America to be defeated. We need to pray for our safe delivery of the president back to America. But remember the havoc that Zephaniah spoke of. Number two, the hope that he gave. We spoke of that the other night in chapter two. He said, uh, gather yourselves together, ye, ye gather together, O nation not desired, before the decree bring forth, before the day pass like the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you. Seek the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, who have kept his ordinances. What he's saying, and right, right in the middle of a storm, He's saying, I'm going to give you a shelter. You can get in the cleft of the rock if you'll come to me. That's what he's saying to America. That's what he's saying to our families. That's what he's saying to you and me personally. If you'll come repenting of sin, God could spare you. And remember, the Bible is full of illustrations of God sparing people because of prayer. God was planning to destroy Nineveh. He said, Jonah, you go over there and preach in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. He preached that all the way through the city of Nineveh. And it so alarmed the king and those in authority that he got down in sackcloth and ashes and repented and God spared Nineveh, that wicked city. He can do it again. There's hope. As Brother Lloyd often sings, He'll be with us till the storm passes by, and he will. Today I drove to Brownsville to see our precious one that's in that nursing home there in such pain, so drawn up and so hurt. And on the way I saw the clouds blackening and heard the report that there's a terrible storm coming. And I just quietly prayed, Lord, Take care as we drive through the storm. And God did it. And I will tell you, God will take care of you through the storms of life. He'll be with you. Last thing, and I'll be through. Not only the havoc and the hope, but the healing. The healing that Zephaniah speaks of, beginning in chapter 3, verse 14. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord hath taken away thy judgments. He hath cast out thine enemy, the King of Israel, even the Lord is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil anymore. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear thou not. And to Zion, let not thine hands be slack. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save, he will rejoice over thee with joy. He will test, he will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. I will gather those who are sorrowful for the assembly, solemn assembly, who are of thee, to whom the reproach of it was, bur was a burden. Behold, at that time I will undo all that afflict thee. I will save her that is lame, and gather her that was driven out, 
and I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. At that time will I bring you again, even in the time that I gather you, for I will make you a name and a praise among all peoples of the earth when I turn back your captivity before your eyes, saith the Lord. What's he speaking of? <clears throat> He's looking down the distant time. Already Zephaniah has used the invasion of Nebuchadnezzar as a day of the Lord. But he's looking beyond that and he says there's going to be another terrible day of the Lord on a judgment on sin. But beyond that, the king is coming. And there's going to be peace in the valley. And God is going to restore his kingdom. And God will be in charge of our earth again. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. That last part of Zephaniah is like reading the 11th chapter of, of Revelation. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth forever and ever. Listen, you and I are on the winning side. Put our trust in Christ and know that though the storm clouds gather, God will take care. He'll be with that. Be with us. Be not dismayed whatever betide. God will take care of you. What kind of storm are you passing through right now? <coughs> Some are going through valleys of illness. Some are going through valleys of financial difficulties. Some are going through valleys of trouble. Remember this. He said, I'll be with you till the storm passes by. He did that today. I don't think Bowling Green was hit by the storm. It was out at Hadley and went all around us. It was over in Brownsville for a while, but the storm never did really hit here. Sometime it may. We've had enough storms. I mean, physical storms as well as emotional and mental and spiritual storms. But through it all, Jesus said, I'll be with you. I'll take care of you. Everything will be all right. J.H. Taylor was a great black preacher. He preached in Jonesville for over 40 years, where Diddle Arena now is. And then started the church down at Mount Zion in, uh, on Bloomfield. <clears throat> he stood in this pulpit many, many times and preached. And one of the great themes of his preaching was, Everything's going to be all right. God will take care. And he'll do that for you. Let's bow together in prayer. Whatever your problem is tonight, take it to Jesus. Whatever your burden, take it to him. Somebody's sick in your family, tell the Lord about it. You're having some un, un, unusual problems that you're facing, take it to Jesus. Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, give your heart to Christ. Come to him and trust him. Our Father, we thank you for the word of Zephaniah and for the illustration of his book and the application to our lives today that God will take care. Help us in the few moments that remain to give our lives to thee. In Jesus' name, amen.